Welcome to the Philo Sophia podcast. Join our hosts Trevor and Alfredo as they plumb the depths of philosophy, religion, science, and history. Learn with us and laugh with us here on Philo Sophia. Welcome to Philo Sophia. I'm Trevor, joined as always by my co-host Alfredo. Alfredo, how are you? Good evening, my friend. I am doing well. Long time no here. Good evening. Long it's been a while. Oh, Five. It's, it's been, been a while. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to take a sip of my no, Michi no, no, Lava. So up. Yeah. Oh, nine. On a Tuesday. And here I am drinking tea on a Tuesday. What? That's because I've been partying since Thursday. What a loser. So Thank it's been you. five weeks since we posted an episode. <laughs> five weeks. But get this. The time we actually posted an episode was in may 10 of last year so oh wow a year wow yeah i mean yeah. we took like nine months off but yeah <laughs> we did it for a year. oh we did we did well we were in the middle of a storm so it's been it's and been a busy month successfully yeah it's uh, been crazy busy. yeah this month it's one of the busiest in my life so Am I correct in saying that we're both officially graduated? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Can you believe that? It's wild. Yeah. That was it was it was an honor sharing the podium with you. Yeah, we had a cool we had a cool little ceremony where we got to talk a little bit about our studies. Uh you Sounded made like you we made were... everybody laugh. That's yeah. That's that's how I roll after. But everyone was so good. I'm like, how am I gonna? I can't. Really. You, you missed your calling as a stand-up comedian, I think. Yeah, but I don't think that was the that time. But anyway, no, I almost said I am Iron Man, but that was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would have been hilarious. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, yeah. That was cool, man. What else have you? What else is new? What's happened since we've talked? I mean, it's not like we haven't talked for five weeks. We actually recorded an episode, and I, I screwed up the uh, the recording because um, we're using a new computer. So it's not like we haven't talked. But for the listeners, we, what's new? Yeah, hopefully we have some listeners left. If not, we'll recap again. Uh, well, no, it's just that paper I've been submerged into writing, and then. Um, not paying attention to anything else, just writing those two manuscripts. I know you're already done with that. I'm so proud of you. That's so cool. Oh yeah, but, thanks, um, man. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You're editing, and then that huge meeting that we had, but it's all done now. It's a matter of publishing. Yep, publish. So, publishing time. Publish. It's, publishing time. But uh huh. Well, I was just gonna say. I remember when I was done with my study and I was done with my rough drafts. I kind of felt like I was like 99% done. And then I remember, uh, you're not, you're not 99%. <laughs> it takes, no, you get, you're going to get bombarded, right? Yeah. With we'll just, edits. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just, well, for, first you're going to wait. I mean, if you're lucky, you'll wait 30 days after submission just to get a decision. And if you do what most people do, which is submit to like a really difficult journal first, just to see what happens. Sometimes it'll take longer and then it sucks. If you're wait three months just to find out you weren't accepted, you're like, Oh my gosh, that whole time I could have been, should have just applied to it anyway. So, and then so when, the sooner, the sooner, the better. 
Yeah. And then, so say, you know, you find one that does accept your paper well, they're going to have most likely pages of edits. Um, and some of them can be quite like daunting, daunting. And then, and then there's like this whole Machiavellian element of like, how do you respond? You know, um, I was, I getting burned. Yeah. I was trying to be like all like, uh, flattering, like, Oh, this is such a great point, blah, blah, blah. And then one of my committee members was like, absolutely don't say that either just do it or tell them they're wrong. Like <laughs> there's no middle ground. Like, Just make the change or say, no, I'm not going to make that change. And here's why I was like, Oh man, that doesn't seem like what I would want to do. But anyway, so, right. Oh, that's interesting. You know what I was thinking when we were talking about our, our findings and research, like I'm about this. People only knew that we had an amazing podcast <laughs> and we just talk about <laughs> completely things. Yeah. That's yep. so awesome. Yep. So it's multidimensional. We talk so about cool. the Anunnaki. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I had a, I had kind of a crazy experience last week, two weeks ago. Oh, tell us. I, I got interviewed by the Washington post, which okay. is like, like a legit paper, you know, like New York times. Yeah. Number one, of course I get, well, I mean, I don't know what you think about any of these. I don't, I certainly don't read them, but, uh, still it was cool. Cause it was about my, it was about my paper and, oh, uh, yeah. And so like someone from the university came on to like, make sure I didn't say anything dumb. It was on a zoom. And, uh, it was pretty intense, man. Like I, I was kind of nervous. What? Go ahead. No, tell me, go ahead. Well, I was kind of, I, I get nervous about like I, for our little ceremony where we have to talk for three minutes that we just did together. I was so nervous. Um, and so I just get nervous. You're good, man. That's my personality. Yeah, you did I, good. Oh, thank you. I kind of, I kind of saw you breathing in and I was like, he's, he's going into the zone. <laughs> he's gearing up. I had something yeah, kind of yeah, memorized were- and then I got up there and I just forgot it. So I just, that's why yeah. I don't even memorize anything. I'm like, what's the point? I normally but, don't. I mean, yeah, like, no, it, you did so good though, man. I talk in like, front of people all the time, but I don't, there's just something yeah. about not knowing many people there, you know, like right. when I, I talk to my you, students, yeah. it's like, I know them, you know, you're comfortable. Yeah. You're comfortable. Uh, Washington post, you had a zoom meeting with, how long was it? It's about 45 minutes. Um, and the university you, in, from our university had someone there like a liaison yeah it was, she was the she's like public relations person oh uh, pr pr uh-huh. yeah just okay they gave they gave me like just a coaching sure session uh-huh. like i did like a 30 minute like press training with her the pr person serious? like just okay. saying like don't overstate your findings don't try to make the interviewer happy and just agree with them like say only say things that you're comfortable being written down you know and that's actually good advice for me because I'm kind of a, you know, non-confrontation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so she's like, she was like, a lot of interviewers will say a statement and then just ask you if you agree. And if like, you're just kind of nice and say like, yes, they'll quote you as saying it, even though they said it. So I was like, oh, okay. So, um, oh, but, that's crazy. Yeah. And so that made me super nervous. Like I was nervous already, but that made me super nervous. And then. I was like, how was the person that interviewed you? Well, that's the thing. Like the, the press trainer person was like, listen, 
you know way more about this stuff than she's going to. So don't stress. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. But this lady knew her shit, man. (laughs) No, she was asking me questions that no one on my committee asked. Like no, no one in my dissertation defense thought to ask. Like she knew way more than the people I'm typically used to working with on campus. Like I start to mention a paper and she knew the paper. Like she knew it. Like she knew the sections, the main find. I was like, damn, like I need to really watch myself. You know? <laughs> so it was, it was intense, man. Um, yeah. Was she a journalist or an actual? Yeah. Producer? She was a journalist. Yep. Just a journalist. So, uh, how interesting she's writing a paper about biological age and, um, really? how all these pharmaceutical companies are trying to make pills that mimic fasting and exercise and, you know, my study was actually testing the effects of exercise. So she wanted to get my opinion on that. And I basically just said that the, the molecular pathways involved are, are way too complex to be affected by one molecule because, you know, drugs are a single refined molecule and there's no way a single molecule is going to give you the same effect that exercise would or, or fasting. So, and she's like, yes, I agree. She was on that. But then she asked me about a study and I, I didn't know it. And so there, there was a part of me for a second. There's a part of me that wanted to fake it. (laughs) I, I, like I could feel myself nodding. Right. I'm like, no, like, no, you can't. You just, I was like, I was like, Oh no, I'm not. I was like, I'm not familiar with that. Familiar. And she was like, what? Really? I'm surprised. And that hurt me. I was like, I was like floundering like oh, a fish on a hook, oh, but yeah. it was a, it's an exercise study. And so I was like, oh, I was like, well, I, I came to this study through an interest in biological age, not, not mm-hmm. exercise necessarily, you know? So that's really where my knowledge, and she's like, oh, okay. So it was fine. But anyway, so there's, it's going to be in the paper i guess next month and on their website and stuff nice I oh, got, nice. yeah it's cool man you have to you have to send me the link heck yeah you have to send me the link how did she find out about your paper well she the, read it the university um okay so uh this guy at ucla who's on my paper he's like hey you're doing an exercise study and you showed a reversal of biological age like that's something that has mainstream appeal so mm. you need to make sure you let your university know about your paper so they can issue a press statement. And I was like, oh, I, I was like, I don't think my university does that. <laughs> but I, but I was like, okay, I'll ask. So I sent an email and they're like, yes, yes, we do that. So um, so oh, wow. one of the they have journalists on campus, and that journalist mm-hmm. interviewed me, and then he wrote a paper, and that goes out to like these like associated press type of like aggregator that all the other papers get stories from like a database. Yeah. And then, so the journalists, that's all. Yeah. Anyway, it was cool. That's, that's, that's all. You just becoming famous. (laughs) As soon as it was done, I was like, yeah, I don't, like I don't get the appeal. Like I don't have, I'm not, I'm not like jonesing for the next one of those. I was like, okay, that was tolerable, I guess. You'd be like Robert Green when he gets interviewed. He gets, it's not easy for him, you know. It's better for it's, he's just a writer. Is that so right? I didn't know that. Videos of him, yeah. Whenever you see, you know, YouTube videos of him, he's just a completely different person. He looks. He's still kind of. You can tell that's. Him. Yeah, you can tell that's him because of the way he 
speaks obviously you know it's the way he writes but um it's just different well so, even course, that's you know, impressive oh he did have a oh, stroke yeah, and then that's he right. had a stroke and, and uh, yeah that that really took him for a little spin but yeah, um, it's always least. it's always nice to hear him though concise every you know all his books i think I, he's a great writer you he is a great writer you introduced me to his books and i really appreciate that because mastery has got to be my, one of my favorite books to read mm-hmm. I've, li- I've listened to it a few times now okay okay but well you know that along with the uh of course the original one g1 48 loss of power and then the loss of nature human nature i liked it but it was just different yeah yeah i like i like all of them but yeah i agree it was a little like it's like okay yeah it's a lot of the same kind of ideas you know but Mm -hmm. my i want to i want to the next one my favorite part of all those books is the history um yes yes Yes. More than any of the actual like self improvement stuff, it's like the the yeah. historical examples, like the political intrigue. Who have done that. Yeah, right, right. So true. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All that um, in all his books. That's that's his style. But the next one is going to be interesting. What is it? Uh, just talks about subtleties in character as far as uh, going into the dark side. Oh yeah. How we can integrate our shadows. Uh, yeah, he had that interview. I believe us. The last, the last couple of interviews of his I've heard have been about like the shadow and the dark side. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like we're we're shit anyway. So make sure, it's, make sure you know how to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Since since I talked to you last, we've been officially visited by aliens. So that's been fun. Dude, I saw the, the <laughs> I saw one. Well, I saw two of them. Wait, with your own eyes? That like the best? No. Oh. Oh, sorry, but I, I mean, you know, I, I know, it sounded like actually song, <laughs> but I don't know. I came across the news and I saw the pictures and the videos and it looked pretty cool. It looked pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I got, I got excited. One yeah, one in Colombia, South America. Something. Yeah. Yeah, the one in Colum- So that one in Colombia is actually where I get my coffee from, Antioquia. Columbia, Antioquia, that's the region. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I recognize it's like alien coffee. Yep. Alien coffee. But uh it's I, coffee. Tell me tell me a little bit about that. Oh, I mean I, I know what you know. I there's all these like quote unquote whistleblowers coming out saying we have bodies and ships from the intelligence agencies. I, I didn't really get that into it because it just I knew it was gonna be a letdown, you know, like breaking news. It's always a letdown. You know it's always a letdown. Sorry, I meant to say, tell me about your coffee. Oh, the coffee. You, you, sold you don't want to know about the aliens? You sold, <laughs> yeah. you my, saw a whole bunch. Yeah, I mean, my my wife was doing all the sa- the salesmanship. But yeah, she um she has uh, is our sponsor. <laughs> I don't think anyone's purchased anything. But <laughs> if you go to thesacredritual.com and use promo code SOFIA for a discount and a charitable contribution to the show, uh, you can buy all sorts of skincare stuff. One of her products is a coffee scrub and she uses the coffee that I had roasted in the past, which is an amazing Colombian coffee. And we sold it in bags. It was kind of like a trial run. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it sold out so fast. We'll probably keep doing it. So yeah, man, it was cool. We, we had like, we didn't have that Dozens. much. We had uh, 
we had 40 pounds of coffee that we ended okay. up selling. So that's like, um, hmm, like a pound is a bag and a third. So okay. I, I don't know how that works out, but you know, 60 bags or something. Um, which is pretty cool and for back that you sell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the bags that you sell are about a pound or half a pound, 12 ounces. Yeah. Yeah. 12 ounces. So okay. kind of like the yeah. standard grocery store coffee bag, nice. but dude, it's, it's really good. It's, it's 92 point coffee on a hundred point scale. So, um, mm. that makes it, you know, anything above 90 is just personal preference. It's really good. You like it? Obviously. Oh yeah. Delicious. Man. Oh, Dude, I've been making cold brew. You just no way. grind it up kind of coarse. And I have these big mesh bags that you can make like a few gallons at a time. And it's just so much caffeine. It can't be good. It can't be good for you. <laughs> it's like so it's just like you're like your eyeballs hurt. They itch, your eyeballs itch the rest of the day, but it's good stuff. So salivating. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Your Dehydrate. teeth itch. It's so good. So good. But that's a know, good sign. Everything that's in moderation. Sign. Yeah. Um, that's good yeah. yeah so it's been five weeks uh have you got any emails or any texts from our listeners i've gotten some chat messages and instagram messages wondering if I we see. were still doing it i have not checked our email Ooh. actually i probably should okay. do that but okay most likely it's a million uh people trying to no, sell us podcast hosting no. nice but no, we don't want that. But just people were wondering, we're still just checking in on us, making sure we're we're okay. Um, yeah, yeah. We've we're been just busy. resetting our brains. What was that? Is that me? I'm sorry. I, all the people I just deafened. I just. Did you hear that? It feels. No, not at all. Oh, okay. It's there's some feels, loud noise. It just feels better, like a huge load of my bag. That have... you're graduated officially. Yeah. It's huge, but yeah. um, you should be applying for jobs right now, man. Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, I'm brushing up the resume and uh, yeah, networking. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I I got I sort of got hired, but my start date is not until uh, August 16th, so I'm kind of bummed about that. But it's because of the system. Yeah, uh, he the the guy is mo transferring universities. Oh, I see. So I need to wait until he's hired for me to be hired. So, but it's going to be it's just politics. Yeah, just, just politics. politics huh? Yeah, but it sounds like it's going to be mostly. Are you? You're not hearing that? Are you hearing things? Is I'm getting like coffee? a loud ding, and I'm. <laughs> no, it's no, it's definitely showing up on the recording. I, I'm not sure why you're not hearing it, but I'm getting like these loud. Let me close on my tab. I'm sorry. Everyone has been deafened. If you didn't hear it, then you just think I am crazy like Alfredo. But anyway, man, I've got I've got stuff we can do. I've got clips. I don't know. I don't know how interesting it is. I mean, it's interesting to me, but that doesn't mean much. I'm interested. Is it in about bioelectricity? Or it is. Yeah. What do you want? I'll you want some? It. You want to taste? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Let me. About it, especially especially the bioluminescence. That we've been seeing at our local beaches. Yeah. You saw some? Well, again, not with my own eyes. Oh, okay. Oh, about. <laughs> it's a bio. His and use you, of the word is like kind of, 
misleading. I, I, although you mentioned bioluminescence, I went on this boat ride in Puerto Rico to see like, mm-hmm. it was hyped up. Like, you're not going to believe it. It's going to be like avatar. I didn't see a damn thing, man. <laughs> I didn't know nothing was glowing. <laughs> They're like, do you see it? I'm like, I don't, it's pitch black. I see nothing. Anyway, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's, anyway, what the hell's that? So we're supposed to be like a one of a kind show here locally. So, well, that was like two, three months ago. There's a meteor shower. You should take, uh, you should consider taking, I don't know, your kids or something. I'm going to take mine in, um, August, the Perseid meteor shower. I'm going to go to Joshua tree because it lines up with one of their Milky way viewing days, which means there's no moon and no clouds and stuff. Did it about, Oh, you did it. Okay. How was it? That was in 11. We went to Wrightwood up in the mountain, the White mm. Lake here. Mm-hmm. We camped We camped out of took the RV. It was amazing. Oh, we nice. Geo and Adrian were little. Oh, dude, but it was so nice. We actually saw the space, uh, uh, International Space Station. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as you know, space is tel- fake, but. Yeah, and gay. Space is fake and gay. <laughs> that's a, that's something. No, dude, my it was so awesome. It's supposed to be like super intense, and it was, and it was. But again, it don't get uh, discouraged if it's. Have you seen one? Uh, not like on purpose. Just camping and being like, oh, shooting oh, star. Okay. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. It was nice because there were quite a few per second, so that was really nice. So you just look up, and then you were bound to see something. They'll never forget it. So, yeah, you're going to take the kids? I'm thinking that'd be like a good core memory. Try to put like sleeping bags in my the back of the truck, you know, yeah. lay down, look up. Yeah. Oh, Summon some nice. aliens, hopefully, you know, whatever. Joshua Tree, sacred, sacred grounds, man. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. Sacred grounds. But back to the bioelectricity. It's um this guy, he kind of represents like the opposite of what we've been talking about on this show about consciousness. Uh, he probably makes that he, he's a, he's a mad genius. Like he's clearly one of the smartest people in the world. And, uh, he's kind of making the opposite case that we've made that it just doesn't seem like evolution explains, um, this, (laughs) right. (laughs) And, and he's, he, mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he, that's not really his main thing. I'm just like explaining that that's pro, his view, like any mainstream biology researcher, which he is, uh, that's kind of the approach he's coming from. Now, if you kind of put that aside, that his ideas for explaining how our system could work the way it works is pretty damn interesting, in my opinion. Um, also. Oh, it's just, man, it's just wild. I I have way too many clips. I have like 10 clips. Let's just play. Let's just, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Let me just play one. I did a, I I was in a rush. I hope I clipped them right. I didn't number them probably perfectly. You did, you did mention it was dense. So it's a three hour interview. I only took clips from the first 50 minutes. Oh. So we might have to do someday if it's interesting, like a, a part two kind of a thing, because it was just, um, it was just too much to do in one day. So, uh, so let me see what we've got. So this clip is our first clip. Let me pull it up and hopefully the volume is not set to a billion. So how does this process work? 
Yeah, it is. It is an incredible process. Uh, I think it's maybe. Okay. Let me back up. So they're talking, there's, this is right at the beginning of the show. They're talking about embryogenesis, uh, the process of going from one cell to uh, several trillion. Embryogenesis is the process of building the human body from a single cell. I think it's one of the most incredible things that exists on earth from a single embryo. So how does this process work? Yeah, it is. It is an incredible process. Uh, I think it's maybe the most uh, magical process there is. And uh, I think one of the most fundamentally interesting things about it is that it shows that each of us takes the journey from so-called just physics to mind, right? Because we all start life as a single uh, quiescent unfertilized oocyte. And it's basically a bag of chemicals. And you look at that and you say, okay, this is chemistry and physics. And then nine months and some years later, you have an organism with high level cognition and preferences and um, an inner life and so on. And what embryogenesis tells us is that that transformation from physics to mind is gradual. It's smooth. There is no uh, special place where, you know, a lightning bolt says, boom, now you've gone from, from physics to true cognition. That doesn't happen. And so we can see in this process that the whole mystery, you know, the biggest mystery of the, of the universe, basically, how you get mind from matter. So I thought that was kind of interesting because we talk mm. about that a lot, like, when does it happen? Like when, when do you, uh, right. spawn in as a baby conscious is, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that just reminded me of some conversations that we've had. And I think he's making the point, which is probably true that it's gradual. Um, there's no, I guess what he's saying, no magical moment. Now, I don't know if you, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. If, do you agree with that? No, I don't. That, so, so you're, so there is a, a, um, a spark that happens at some point. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 I mean, the lungs are not being used, you know? Right. So the lungs get activated, um, as soon as, uh, as soon as baby comes out, right? That's the we, uh, yeah. So it, we're, we're in water and the lungs have no function as far as air, and the conversion of, of, you know, the, the oxygen and the hemoglobin, none of that happens. So it's just, it's switch. Baby doesn't breathe. Baby dies. So I, I believe consciousness is, um, similar to that. Yeah. That makes sense. Similar um, to that. I think for the, purposes of this he defines consciousness i guess the way i've been trying to define it which is just the sense of self um being able to distinguish between you and the outs in the outside world uh so let's right. let's let's and i i agree with everything you're saying i'm just i'm just talking so let me play the next one i'll turn the volume down just in case Where's the magic into the thing? How do we get from information encoded in DNA and make physical reality out of that information? So one of the things that I think is really important if we're going to bring in um, DNA into this picture is to think about the fact that what DNA encodes is the hardware of life. DNA contains the instructions for the kind of micro level hardware that every cell gets to play with. So all the proteins, all the signaling factors, the ion channels, all the cool little pieces of hardware that cells have, that's what's in the DNA. 
the rest of it is in uh, so-called generic laws. And these are laws of mathematics. These are laws of computation. These are laws of, um, of, of physics, of all, all, all kinds of interesting things that are not directly in the DNA. And Okay. So um, the reason... I agree. The, yeah, I the, agree. Yeah. And the reason I put that clip in there actually is because um, I, this this particular issue actually came up in, in my interview and it's something I mentioned to my students all the time, which is that we, uh, we like grossly overestimate the importance of DNA, like mm-hmm. as if it just dictates every process, like every reaction, every, um, you just everything, like every aspect of, of us. It, it just, it doesn't. I mean, do you remember, do you remember it was the, it was for me, it was like, so elementary school through high school, the human genome mm-hmm. project was going on. Oh yeah. And just the excitement around that, like, Hey, we're going to fix everything as soon as we can sequence this one human being for billions of dollars, right. we're going to fix everything. Right. And like objectively, like almost nothing has changed <laughs> in terms of medicine and <laughs> treating disease. I mean, we, there's a few, like there's certain diseases that are simple things that maybe we could fix with CRISPR, which is gene editing that we couldn't have done without the human genome project, like sickle cell anemia and stuff like that. But generally speaking, like knowing the genetic code does almost nothing for you. Now, a lot of cool things have happened. Like now we can sequence the whole genome for 200 bucks instead of billions. Like, of course there's been a lot well, of technological the, advances. But. What's the practicality, right? What's the practicality of like decoding that's what's so I think that's what's so shocking is like there really is not there's not much there and so that's now like the next wave is the epigenome like we we thought the genome was everything turns out it's just right. a set of possible blueprints I mean the the thing that's crazy is that you're a fat cell and the most complex neuron in your brain with tens of thousands of connections have the exact same DNA. So how important right. can that full set of instructions be? Like there's obviously a whole other set of things going on to make a neuron, a neuron, a fat cell, a fat cell. So he, um, I think he kind of pointed that out. Like DNA is just a code to build little machines. And that's not necessarily yes. what we are. There's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. All right, next clip. The, the DNA is that it's um, once evolution discovers a certain... Is this the next clip? Yes. Kind of machine that if, if the if the physical implementation is appropriate, it's sort of, uh, and this is hard to talk, uh, talk about because we don't have a good vocabulary for this yet, but it's a very um, kind of a platonic notion that, that if the machine is there, it pulls down interesting uh, interesting things that you do not have to evolve from scratch because the laws of physics give it to you for free. So just as a, as a really stupid example, if you're trying to evolve a particular triangle, you can evolve the first angle and you evolve the second angle, but you don't need to evolve the third. You know what it is already. Now, why do you know? That's that's a gift for free from geometry in a particular space. You know what that angle has to be. And if you evolve an ion channel, which is ion channels are basically transistors, right? They're voltage-gated current conductances. If you evolve that ion channel, you immediately get to use things like truth tables. You get logic functions. You don't have to evolve the logic function. You don't have to evolve a truth table. It doesn't have to be in the DNA. It's You get it for free. 
right? And the fact that if you have NAND gates, you can build anything you want, you get that for free. All you have to evolve is that that first step, that first little machine that 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 enables you to couple to those laws. And there's laws of adhesion and and, and many other things. And this is all um, that interplay between the 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 hardware that's set up by the genetics and the software that's based, right? The physiological software that basically does all the computation and the cognition and everything else is a real interplay between the information and the DNA and the laws of, of physics of computation and so on. So is it fair to say, just like this idea that the laws of mathematics are discovered, they're latent within the fabric of the universe in that same way the laws of biology are kind of discovered? Yeah. I think that's absolutely, and, and it's, it's probably not a popular view, but I, I think that's right on the money. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really. It's getting a little heavy. That was, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. It is. And so I, I hope I didn't like falsely portray this guy as like the mainstream biologist. Cause he actually does get a lot. He is, um, his ideas are very new and upset a lot of people because his whole thing is like, we've really just gone about understanding human physiology wrong. Like we just really are so like, so far away from being able to do like really meaningful things like regenerate an organ or. Do you think that's on purpose though? What do you think? Well, you saw that clip I sent you on Instagram. Yeah, you have to. It, I, you know, I think all this stuff, it's already been done. Like we know how to cure cancer. Like we know how to regenerate cells, but we don't want more humans. We, I'm saying we, as I'm taking the, the bad cause. The, the, the we is the they in this case, right? Yeah, exactly. Whoever the they we are. Is the they. Yeah. Hey, right. Like, what do you want to prolong life uh, when you want to get rid of them? Right, because they look at the finite sources of Earth. They, quote unquote, they you know they think uh, we're gonna run out of resources, water, air, you know, food, all that jazz. And so, because we just have a whole bunch of us, a whole bunch, it's overpopulation. I mean, it's easy. Every, Sorry, they talk about ahead. this stuff. They talk like Bill Gates talk about this. Yeah, and all those guys. And it's uh, easy how, to like throw stones and say that's conspiratorial, but I think they're. No, he, they talk about it. There's they, good they evidence. Talk about it. And that's yeah. where the data goes. That's where it's going. Like, hey, at the by 2050, we're gonna just run out of everything. But so so I sent you I sent so you a clip I'm, of a biochemist who was like blown away as a graduate student or a postdoc, I don't remember, because he's just over and over replicating this ability for this compound to kill like broad spectrum types of tumor like not not just one specific type of cancer but all sorts of cancers and so he uh tells his advisor and they're like yeah um hmm like let's see is it patented and he's like yes it's patented and he's like oh well then this is great you know someone probably patented it not knowing how amazing it was. I just discovered how amazing it was. Let me call up the patent holder, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so his emails are like ignored, but finally he gets a hold of somebody and they ask him a few questions like, um, what does it do? How have you demonstrated this? Blah, blah, blah. And they hang up on him. They just hang up on him and they won't answer his calls. And he goes back and tells his advisor again. And she's like, yeah, 
you shouldn't have called them. Like that's, that's a blocking patent. Like they know what it does. They're preventing someone else from, from making it. And it's like, man, I don't know. That sounds so crazy to me to believe like that just sounds so sinister and so evil. But, um, yeah, maybe, I mean, I'm doing, I'm helping someone do a study on a cancer, uh, treatment right now. And they are so quick to say in their paper, um, I gotta be, I gotta be really careful because I'm not sure if I'm totally anonymous on here, but, oh, okay. but, but okay. everyone, everyone just generally, my experience has been, everyone is quick to say that it's an adjunct treatment. Like this is a treatment you do with chemo, you know? Um, and I don't know if part of that's because like people are afraid to say, you know, they're probably just being cautious would be my, my more like, um, less paranoid interpretation is that they're just being cautious because you're supposed to be cautious as a scientist, but it does make me wonder like, is this a known thing that I'm just not aware of? I don't know. Yeah. These people pour millions of dollars in universities and research. And so they, they, they control it. They, you pull that grant out. Universities don't want that or research labs don't want that, you know? And so. uh, How do we get on this topic? Oh, because because he he was he's making the case that like we're just so far away from doing. Oh yeah, like, we're 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 yeah we're <laughs> yeah uncovering the wrong stones. Like the kind of things at. we were saying we were going to be able to do with the human genome project, like we're just light years away from being able to do. On purpose, though. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think I think his perspective would be, you know, there's that whole Hanlon's razor, which is. Never attribute right. to malice what you can attribute to incompetence. I try to think that way because it makes me feel healthier, like mentally. <laughs> but at the same time, I agree with you pretty much. Like, yes, it's I, so sad. I, I like to believe yeah, like I, there's I think... different factors at play. Like, it's not like a one yes. one thing. You know, yes. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, yeah. Um, let me hit play. You have to, oh. you have to kind of keep that door open, though. As far as someone else is controlling the, the it's like the it's yeah. it's like okay, if there's 200 people that are absolutely trying to silence medical breakthroughs, like that can be true, but then there can also be two million people who are dedicating their lives to coming up with medical breakthroughs. So like, both can be true. I guess the issue is if those 200 people have you know outsized resources if they control all the grants if they control the universe it'll be better right then right it'll be better to read uh papers that's why it's important to read papers from other countries yeah yeah you know like norway sweden uh where they really appreciate longevity and they're actually doing things about it and they're not as as, as we are here because you know, we're we're the number one as far as that goes. Yeah. As far as cap capitalism and all jazz. So 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 if you look at other papers, Spain, mainly Europe, uh, you might go somewhere with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man, play. I'll give you a simple example. You know, some of our latest work with these Xenobots, right? So what we've done is to He's gonna explain what this is, but just really quick. Um he his lab has come up with these things called Xenobots, which is was 
something they they discovered years ago, uh, his, his lab. But he it's kind of like forms the basis of a lot of his ideas. Like this discovery that they made that cells, when removed from an organism, become free agents and have different goals than you would expect. Um, he's going to describe what a xenobot is, but I just want to... I didn't really introduce a clip, so here we go. Some skin cells off of an early frog embryo and basically ask about their plasticity. If we give you a chance to sort of reboot your multicellularity in a different context, what would you do? Because what you might assume by... by the, the thing about embryogenesis is that it's super reliable, right? It's very robust. And that really... Uh, obscures some of its most interesting features. We get used to it. We get used to the fact that acorns make oak trees and frog eggs make frogs. And we say, well, what else is it going to make? That's what it, you know, that's what it makes. That's a standard story. But the reality is, and, and so, and so you look at these, um, at these skin cells and you say, well, what do they know how to do? Well, they know how to be a, a passive, boring, two-dimensional outer layer, keeping the bacteria from getting into the embryo. That's what they know how to do. Well, it turns out that if you take these skin cells and you remove the rest of the embryo. So you remove all of the rest of the cells and you say, well, you're by yourself now. What do you want to do? So what they do is they form this little, um, this multi little creature that runs around the dish. They have all kinds of incredible capacities. They navigate through mazes. They have uh, various behaviors that they do both independently and, and together. They, uh, they have a, 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 basically they implement von Neumann's dream of, of self-replication because if you sprinkle a bunch of loose cells into the dish, what they do is they run around, they collect those cells into little piles. They, they sort of mush them together until those little piles become the next generation of xenobots. So you've got this machine that builds copies of itself from loose material in its environment. None of this are things that you would have expected from the frog genome. In fact, there was wild type, the genome is wild type. There's nothing wrong with their genetics. Nothing has been added, no nanomaterials, no genomic editing, nothing. And so what we have done there is engineer by subtraction. What you've, re, what you've done is you've removed the other cells that normally basically bully these cells into being skin cells. And you find out that what they really want to do is, is uh, to be this, uh, they, they want they, their default behaviors to be a xenobot. But in vivo, in the embryo, they get told to be skinned by these other cell types. And so, so now, so now here comes this, this really interesting question that you just posed. When you ask, where does the form of the tadpole and the frog come from? The standard answer is, well, it's, 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 it's a uh, selection. So over, over millions of years, right. It's been shaped to, to produce the specific body with that's fit for froggy environments. Where does the shape of the xenobot come from? There's never been any xenobots. There's never been selection to be a good xenobot. These cells find themselves in the new environment. In 48 hours, they figure out how to be an entirely different uh, proto-organism with new capacities like kinematic self-replication. That's not how frogs or tadpoles replicate. We've made it impossible for them to replicate their normal way. Within a couple of days, these guys find a new way of doing it that's not done anywhere else in the biosphere. What? Man, what do you make of that? That's, that's super tense. Talking about adaptation that's uh you know? it's, i mean it's like imagine taking a little cell off your arm dropping it in a petri dish and it becomes an agent like it assembles <laughs> into a sphere it seeks out right. food it can navigate a maze like it can replicate it's just what like so this is where yeah. it starts getting like okay like we're not we're not an organism we're trillions of organisms mm -hmm. and we have levels of control that force skin cells to be skin cells force muscle cells to be muscle cells and now all of a sudden it makes sense why 
a neuron and a fat cell can have the exact same DNA. Because a fat cell could be a neuron. A neuron could be a fat cell. They were mm -hmm. told mm -hmm. to do X, Y, or Z. I don't know. I thought that was crazy. By, 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 by the struggle that were told by other organisms? I think that's kind of what his interview develops into is like, well, told by what? And, and a lot of that comes from this idea of bioelectricity and self mm. versus non-self. And I don't, I don't want to spoil kind of like the last clip because that's sort of where okay. I think he kind of gets into that a little bit. I mean, we're, this is the first third of the interview, so we're not going to okay. get all the answers tonight. But yeah, isn't that – I just think it's wild that a frog skin cell can become a unicellular organism. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And then already knows that the, whatever it's needed, it'll form. And has goals. Like how can it have goals? <laughs> like how how can it have a survival instinct? How can a skin cell have right. a survival instinct? And a replication mm -hmm. instinct. Mm -hmm. Like the, mm -hmm. these these are things and that you ability, would assume are in your brain. Yeah, right. the, you would assume like that these drives automatic. Exactly. It's baked in. Yeah. It's like Yeah. Through the DNA then? Is that what he's saying? Through the coding? No, I, I don't, I mean, nobody knows. He, he, and he's careful to say that a lot. Like we really just don't know. Nobody does, but. Yeah, but it's running through bioelectricity though, right? ATP. For him, for him, bioelectricity is the force that allows our cells to cooperate. Um, that it's not just neurons no, so it that communicate okay. electrically. It's all of our cells. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he talks about act, action potentials, yeah. He'll he'll get there, yeah. Or he may. I don't know if you already mentioned oh, okay. it, but yeah. And his thing is like, it's not just neurons doing action potentials. Every cell in your body is communicating with this neighbors electrically. Through through electricity. Yep. It's crazy. And that we're basically we're thinking of micro microvolts, right? microvolts and that each cell is essentially you know thousands if not millions of transistors and so when you look at like what makes a computer a computer the processor is just a collection of transistors mm -hmm. and that essentially every cell in our body adds to our computational engine it's not just our neurons if that makes sense that's why that's wild. Well, you know, let, let's not forget our enteric system, right? Our yeah. Second mind, right? That we still didn't understand, but we had the gut feeling or intuition, butterflies, all that jazz. Yeah, I, I, in, in my, um, I hesitate to even call it a book because it will never ever be published. But in my collection of thoughts that are a word document on my desktop, I talk about that a little bit. Like, um, you know, where are we? Well, we're in our brain. Well, why are we in our brain? Because there's a lot of neurons there. Well, there's also, you know, X million number of neurons in our spinal cord. Is the spinal cord a part of us? Well, I guess maybe. Well, there's also a million in our heart. There's also 10 million in our stomach, which is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, like, are we neurons? And so he's, I think he's kind of arguing that, like, no, we're not. We're a collective 
subconscious made up of all the goals and hierarchical levels of all these different cells in our body. But I don't know if any of this makes any more sense than anything else, but let's press onward. Is this the next clip or is this the one we just played? Let's see. So thinking about biologic systems as things that have memory, have almost something like cognitive ability. <laughs> but I mean, how incredible is it you know that the salamander arm is being rebuilt not with a dictator it's kind okay sorry let me introduce the clip i'm realizing now i actually never introduced the people we're listening to so <laughs> we're listening to michael levin he's a biologist at tufts university and the interviewer is Lex Friedman from his podcast. But so he was just before I was trying to skip around because I didn't want to just replay the whole hour. So they were just talking about, you know, regeneration. Like how how can a sal how can you cut off a salamander's arm and it grows back? Where is that memory stored? Because it's it happens even if you disconnect the brain from the salamander. So that memory is stored somewhere else. Like that knowledge is is baked into the cells itself. And then you say, well, it's in the DNA, but I mean, maybe, but it just still doesn't really add up. So that's what they're discussing. So thinking about biologic systems as things that have memory, have almost something like cognitive ability. <laughs> but I mean, how incredible is it, you know, that the salamander arm is being rebuilt, not with a dictator. It's kind of like the cellular automata system. All the individual workers are doing their own thing. So where's that uh, top-down signal that does the control coming from? Like, how can you find it? Yeah. Like, why does it stop growing? How does it know the shape? How does it have memory of the shape? And how does it tell everybody to be like, whoa, 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 slow down, we're done? So the first thing to, th to, to think about, I think, is that there are no examples anywhere of of a central dictator because in in this in this kind of science because everything is made of parts and so we we even though we we feel as a unified central sort of intelligence and kind of point of of cognition we are a bag of neurons right we all intelligence is collective intelligence there's this this is important to to kind of um think about because a lot of people think okay there's real intelligence like me and then there's collective intelligence which is ants and flocks of birds and you know termites and things like that and and you know and 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 maybe it's appropriate to think of them as a as a as a as an individual and maybe it's not and a lot of people are skeptical about about that and so on but it's got, you got to realize that we are not there's there's no such thing as this like indivisible diamond of intelligence that's like this one central thing that's not made of parts we are all made of parts and so if if you believe, which I think is is, is hard to uh, to get around, that 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 we in fact have a centralized um, set of goals and preferences, and we plan and we do things and so on, you are already committed to the fact that a collection of cells is able to do this because we are a collection of cells. There's no getting around that. In our case, what we do is we navigate the three dimensional world. And we have behavior. This is blowing my mind right now because we are just a collection of cells. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So There's... when I'm moving this arm. I think Lex was I high. I feel like I'm the central dictator of that action, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Like every all all the cells here are co collaborating in yeah. some interesting way. They're getting signal from the ce central nervous system. Well, even the central nervous system is is misleadingly named because 
it isn't really central. Again, it's it's what it's what, just what a bunch you, of cells. it's just a bunch of cells. I mean, all of it, right? There are no you, there are no singular indivisible intelligences anywhere. We are all every every example that we've ever seen is is a collective of some of something. It's just that we're used to it. We're used to that. You know, we're used to okay. This thing is kind of a single thing, but it's really not. You zoom in, you know what you see. You see a bunch of cells running around, and so. Hmm. Almost like quantum physics, like when you look at, at the organism at a microscopic level and you break it down to the yeah. nanometers, you know, my, it, it, you can totally see it's just a bunch of aggregated cells, like he, a bag of neurons, as he calls it. He makes this comment, it's not in any of the clips, but he just says it's physics all the way down. And he'll talk physics and chemistry. Yep. And chemistry is just physics. I mean, it's, it's all physics yeah. and, uh, yeah, just it, yeah. It's, yeah. Phys, it's physics all the way down. And so he, entropy is all physics. He, I, I think he's using that information as a way to say like what I think a lot of mainstream biologists would believe, which is that, you know, consciousness is just an expression of complex physics. And I get that perspective, certainly. Um, and that could even be right. I don't know. I mean, we just don't know. But it's it's kind of runs a little contrary to what we typically talk about. You know, like it just seems like consciousness you is and coming. I? Yeah, just, it, just, oh, yeah. it just feels like it's that the gut instinct is that it's coming from somewhere else, you know. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. I don't know. Uh, are you okay if we just keep going? Just keep plowing through? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right about it is that we have to come to grips with the fact that a true a, a true proper uh, cognitive intelligence can still be made of parts those things are and in fact it has to be and i i, I think it's a real shame but i see this all the time when you have uh, when you have a collective like this whether it be a collective a group of robots or a, you know a, a collection of cells or neurons or whatever as soon as as soon as we gain some insight into how it works Right. Meaning that, oh, I see in order to take this action, here's the information that got processed via this chemical mechanism or whatever. Immediately people say, oh, well, then that's not real cognition. That's just physics. And I think this is this is fundamentally flawed, because if you zoom into anything, what are you going to see? Of course, you're just going to see physics. What else could be underneath? Right. It's not going to be fairy dust. It's going to be physics and chemistry. But that doesn't take away from the magic of the fact that there are certain ways to arrange that physics and chemistry, and in particular, the bioelectricity, which which I like a lot. Uh, to give you an emergent uh, collective with goals and preferences and memories and anticipations that do not belong to any of the subunits. So I think what we're getting into here, and we can talk about um, how, how this happens during embryogenesis and so on, what we're getting into is uh, the origin of, the se of, of a self. Yeah, with a big with a capital S. So we ourselves, there are many other kinds of selves, and we can tell some really interesting stories about where selves come from and how they become unified. Yeah, he would. That, he was saying basically just what you just said. Um, I don't know. I mean, does that change anything? I don't know if that changes anything, but it. Is, I do think it is important. I think it's interesting this idea that intelligence, consciousness, cognition has to be a collection of units. Like, there's no thing you can point to and say, "There it is." Great. No, I agree. I agree. After all, our morality or consciousness or like, am I real? You know, it's a collective of thoughts, you know, and memories. It's just not one event. So I get what he's saying. It's the same with pain. 
right? We don't know where pain is coming from. It's all subjective. We know there's a pain matrix, the insula, right? Premotor cortex, somatosensory, all that. Uh, the thalamus and, and all this uh, inputs, outputs. Uh, but we really don't have, it's a collective of signals. It's a, it's a, it's a matrix. It's a pain matrix. Uh, um, so I think that's a reflection of, 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 uh, you know, and I'm thinking about pain being such a living, almost like a requirement to live, to have pain. Like we all have that, right? I mean, it certainly has a evolutionary advantage, you know? Right, right. A protective mechanism and, and, and it's, it's, it has value, but it becomes a problem when we make it a priority, but, but pain is important. I mean, we have very complex systems. Uh, You need any conduction, any, any, any organism that's going to last for, any reasonable amount of time needs some kind of negative feedback to say, Hey, don't, don't do that. You know, <laughs> try not to jump off that high place again because it hurts, you know? So, yeah, I mean, and yet, yeah. And we, and we put it into the negative uh, realm, but it could, it's a positive. I don't know if you've seen that clip about how lobsters uh, grow, when, how, how, how they grow bigger. Have you seen that? Clip? Mm-mm, mm-mm. It's like this guy sitting at the dentist's office and he's written an article about lobsters and how lobsters uh, grow, basically. And so they're saying that, well, as this person was reading an article, when the lobster keeps on growing, the shell doesn't grow, right? So it goes under a rock and gets rid of that shell and it grows bigger and it grows a new shell, right? So again, good. You know, the lobster keeps on growing. It becomes uncomfortable, right? Pain, uncomfortable, goes into the rock and so forth and so on. It creates a new shell. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, and then he says, let me see. And then he says, well, you know, if, I, I, if, we, had, if we had physicians, there would be no growth, basically. Because the first thing you want to do is fix your pain. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's through, pain, it's through pain that we grow. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, so p- pain is kind of like. not negative. Pain is kind of the, the psych uh, pain is like the physical version of failure. You know, the, the way failure helps you grow pain helps you, I guess, you know, modify your behavior beneficially. I don't know. Or your emotion. Yeah. Or your emotions, you know, emotional pain. Okay. That hurt. Don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Learn from your mistakes. Right. Right. All right. Let's see what's next. And I, I don't think that evolution produces solutions to specific problems. In other words, specific environments, like here's a frog that can live well in a froggy environment. I think what evolution produces is problem solving machines that, that will, that will solve problems in different spaces. So not just three dimensional space. This goes back to what we were talking about before. We, the, the brain is a evolutionarily a late development. It's a system that is able to to pursue goals in three-dimensional space by giving commands to muscles. Where did that system come from? That system evolved from a much more ancient, evolutionarily much more ancient system where collections of cells gave 
uh, instructions to for cell behaviors, meaning cells move to 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 divide, to to die, to um, change into different cell types, to navigate morphospace, the space of anatomies, the space of all possible anatomies, and before that, cells were navigating transcriptional space, which is a space of all possible gene expressions, and before that, metabolic space. So what evolution has done, I think, is 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 produced hardware that is very good at navigating different spaces using a bag of tricks right which which i'm sure many of them we can steal for autonomous vehicles and robotics and various things and what happens is that um they navigate these spaces without a whole lot of commitment to what the space is in fact they don't know what the space is right we are all brains in a vat so to speak every cell does not know Right. Every, every cell is some other some other cells external environment. Right. So where does the, with that border between you, you and the outside world, you don't really know where that is. Right. Every every collection of cell has to figure that out from scratch. And the fact that evolution requires all of these things to figure out what they are, what effectors they have, what sensors they have, where does it make sense to draw a boundary between me and the outside world? The fact that you have to build all that from scratch, this autopoiesis is what defines uh, the border of a self. Now, biology uses like a um, a multi um, a multi scale competency architecture, meaning that every level has goals. So, so molecular networks have goals, cells have goals, tissues, organs, um, colonies, uh, and and it's the interplay of all of those that uh, that enable biology to solve problems in new ways. For example, in xenobots and, and various other things. Um, I don't remember what my goal was for that clip, but it is it is interesting. I'm hoping. The next clip is what I think it is. But anyway, uh, it is interesting to think about that every cell in your body, it, the neighbor cell is its external environment, right? So you got two, you got two muscle fibers. The muscle fiber A is external to muscle fiber B. So, you know, at what level does a self emerge? How many levels up? Do you have to go before a self emerges? And he he has thoughts about that, and he goes into it. But I, I didn't clip a lot of it, but because um, I'm just kind of trying to make the goal of these ten clips. There's three left. Is to have a small understanding of what bioelectricity is. So basically, we took the first hour of the interview to just define the topic. Uh, so that so that's the goal for today. And then if it's interesting, so it's gonna be, we can it's gonna go be deeper. part two. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, so we can just jump into the next one. At each level bends the option space for the level beneath so that your parts, basically, they don't see the, the, the geometry. So, so, so I'm, I'm using, um, and I, and I, and I think uh, I, I take this, this seriously, uh, terminology from, from like, um, from like relativity, right? Where, where the space is literally bent. So the option space is deformed by the higher levels so that the lower levels, all they really have to do is go down their concentration gradient. They don't have to, in fact, they don't, they can't know what the big picture is, but if you bend the space just right, if they do what locally seems right, they end up doing your bidding. They end up doing things that are optimal in the, in the higher space. Conversely, because the components are good at getting their job done, you as the higher level don't need to, uh, to try to compute all the low level controls. All you're doing is bending the space. You don't know or care how they're going to do it. I'll give you a super simple example. In the, um, in the tadpole, we found that, okay, so, so tadpoles need to become frogs and to, become a fro to go from a tadpole head to a frog head, you have to rearrange the face. So the eyes have to move forward, the jaws have to come out, the nostrils move, like everything moves. 
it used to be thought that because all tadpoles look the same and all frogs look the same, if you just remember, if every piece just moves in the right direction, the right amount, then you get your you get your frog, right? So we decided to to test. We I, I had this hypothesis that I thought I thought actually the system is probably more intelligent than that. So what did we do? We made uh, what we call Picasso tadpoles. So these are so everything is scrambled. So the eyes are on the back of the head, their jaws are off to the side. Everything is scrambled. Well, guess what they make? They make pretty normal frogs because all the different things move around in novel paths configurations until they get to the correct uh, froggy uh, sort of frog face configuration then they stop so so the thing about that is now imagine evolution right so so you make some sort of mutation and it does like every mutation it does many things so 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 something good comes of it but also it moves your mouth off to the side right now if 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 there wasn't this multi-scale competency, you can see where this is going. If there wasn't this multi-scale competency, the organism would be dead. Your fitness is zero because you can't eat, and you would never get to explore the other beneficial consequences of that mutation. You'd have to wait until you find some other way of doing it without moving them out. That's really hard. So so the fitness landscape would be incredibly rugged. Evolution would take forever. The reason it works, well, one of the reasons it works so well, is because you do that. No worries. The mouth will find its way where it, where it belongs, right? So now you get to explore. So so what that means is that all of these mutations that otherwise would be deleterious are now neutral because the competency of the parts make up for all kinds of things. So all the noise of development, all the the uh, variability in the environment, all these things, the competency of the parts makes up for it. So the it's kind of wild, huh? Say you know, say what you will about yeah. this guy, but the the dude is smart man <laughs> he's uh he's on a whole different whole different brainwave that's for sure i just i love the idea of these picasso tadpoles it's crazy ending up looking it's like normal up. frogs it's a little messed yeah, up yeah. yeah it's a little messed up but they end up doing the same thing it sounds like he's been doing it for quite some time yeah i just like i just what he's talking about i just like that it's a completely different way of thinking about things like we like in the modern medical model is like just find the molecule that's going to fix x and it's like that's the wrong there's too many there's too many molecules there's too many genes there's too many gene products there's too many protein interactions like we're never going to figure anything out thinking like that like we need to affect the regulatory mechanisms like we need to figure out what the knobs are that we can turn at a higher level and that's it sounds I'm like it might be electrical. Yes, I'm, that's why I'm so skeptical about medication of any kind. I know. Really? I mean, there's certain medications. It's like, okay, it makes sense. You're replacing something that's missing. Right. You know? Right. But then there's right. other medications. like, oh, so we refine X molecule a million percent. And then right. what are all the downstream consequences of taking like super super physiological dosages of this like i don't know man it's, i agree i i feel like if you can avoid like try to avoid medicine through lifestyle and hopefully <laughs> hopefully good right. genes i don't know but yeah. uh, other than like orthopedic stuff like you break right. a femur i'm going straight to the orthopedic surgeon <laughs> like there's no yeah um and just trauma like traumatic emergency type medicine yeah, it saves lives, but the res for maintenance, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's complex. I still want to know where this cells are getting the commands. Yeah. To rearrange to rearrange like to, to rearrange to the 
predetermined size, a predetermined form in space. Like, what the hell? It really defies all of our current understanding because, like, a lot of this stuff happens without any nervous system input. So it's like, okay, well, then, right. then, you, then you go to the DNA. It's got to be the DNA. But it's like, of course, there's not a gene for fixing a Picasso tadpole. Like, it's right. the system itself knows what to do, you know? That's, that's and wild. that has to come from, like, mathematical and physical laws. Like, the, the way that plants grow in Fibonacci sequences because, you know because of the way gradients form and so like it's just got to be something else like there's some physical law that just governs some of this stuff i don't know but um anyway back back to the medicine thing man um i was listening to this commercial recently about the side effects of it was a medication it was a medication that did something like helped your eczema right and it was like Oh, number one was like, like deaths have been, you can die. You can have (laughs) serious platelet aggregation that could lead to stroke or heart, heart attack, or, uh, you you kill yourself. You and and it's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, what are we doing? Then it's like, yeah, it's, it's might be, it's probably rare, but I don't know. All right. Uh, uh, Yeah. Um, Is this, am I playing the right one? Let's find out. At each level. Ben's okay. That's what we just listened to. All right, so there's only two left actually. The last one is four minutes long, that's our longest one. Uh, this one, this one's also kind of long, so forgive me. Let's just get it over with. What happens is that, uh, if you have uh, if you have a single cell, cell has a membrane in that membrane, are so now, now he's kind of getting into the definition of bioelectricity. And so he's explaining the cell membrane. Proteins called ion channels, and those proteins allow charged molecules, potassium, sodium, chloride, to go in and out under certain circumstances. And when there's an imbalance of uh, of those ions, there becomes a voltage gradient across that membrane. And so all cells, all living cells, try to hold a particular kind of voltage uh, difference across the membrane, and they spend a lot of energy to do so. When you now, now, so, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a single cell. When you have multiple cells, the cells sitting next to each other, they can communicate their voltage state to each other via a number of different ways. But one of them is this thing called a gap junction, which is basically like a little submarine hatch that just kind of docks, right? And the ions from one side can flow to the other side and vice versa. So isn't it incredible that this evolved? Isn't isn't that wild? Because that didn't exist. Correct. This had to be this had to be evolved and, and it had the, to be and, invented. That's right. So somebody invented electricity in the in the ocean. When did this get invented? Yeah. So, 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 so I mean, it's an, it, it is it is incredible. Um, the guy who discovered gap junctions, Werner Lowenstein. I visited him. He was he was really old. A uh, human being. He discovered them. Because you know what? Because we really discovered them. Lived probably four billion years ago. Good point. So Good you're point. you're give credit where credit is due. Good I'm point. just saying. He 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 rediscovered he rediscovered uh, gap junctures. But um, when I visited him in in Woods Hole, uh, maybe twenty years ago now, uh, he told me that he was writing. And unfortunately, he 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 passed away. And I think this this book never got written. He was writing a book on on gap junctures and consciousness. And I think I think it would have been a, a an incredible book because because gap junctures are magic. I'll I'll explain why in a minute. 
what happens is that just imagine the, the thing about both these ion channels and these gap junctions is that many of them are themselves voltage sensitive. So that's a voltage sensitive current conductance. That's a transistor. And as soon as you've invented one, immediately you now get access to from, from this platonic space of, of mathematical truths, you get access to all of the cool things that transistors do. So now when you have a network of cells, not only do they do they talk to each other, but they can send messages to each other and the differences of voltage can propagate. Now, to neuroscientists, this is old hat because you see this in the brain, right? This action potentials, the you know, the electricity. Um, you can, you can, uh, they have, they have these awesome movies where you can take a zebra, like a transparent um, uh, uh, animal, like a zebrafish, and you can literally look down and you can see all the, all the firings as the fish is like making decisions about what to eat and things like this, right? It's amazing. Well, your whole body is doing that all the time, just much slower. So there are very few things that neurons do that other cells, that all the cells in your body don't do. They all, they all do very similar things, just on a much slower time scale. And whereas your brain is thinking about thing, how to uh, solve problems in three-dimensional space, um, the cells in an embryo are thinking about how to solve problems in anatomical space. They're trying to have memories like, hey, how many fingers are we supposed to have? Well, how many do we have now? What do we do to get from here to there? That's the kind of problems they're thinking about. And the reason that gap junctions are magic is, imagine, right, from the, from the, from the earliest, uh, from the earliest uh, time. I'm, here are two cells. This, this is actually the last clip, so just want to point that out. Um, but do, do you love that? I love this for some reason. I don't know why. It's just so fascinating to me for sure. Okay, here we go. Well, uh, how, how can they communicate? Well, well, the simple version is this cell could send a chemical, a chemical signal. It floats over and it hits a receptor on this cell, right? Because it comes from outside, this cell can very easily tell that that came from outside. It, it's this whatever information is coming. That's not my information. That, that information is coming from the outside. So I can I can trust it. I can ignore it. I can do various things with it, whatever. But I know it comes from the outside. Now, imagine instead that you have two cells with a gap junction between them. Something happens. Let's say the cell gets poked. There's a calcium spike. The calcium spike or, or whatever small molecule signal propagates through the gap junction to this cell. There's no ownership metadata on that signal. This cell does not know now that it's didn't that it came from outside because it looks exactly like its own memories would have looked like of being of being of whatever had happened, right? So gap junctions to some extent wipe ownership information on data, which means that if I can't if if you and I are sharing memories and we can't quite tell who the memories belong to, that's the beginning of a mind melt. That's the beginning of a scale up of cognition from here's me and here's you to no now there's just us. So they enforce it. Dude. Wow. And that, so that, that's where I end it, but that's this. And then the interview just starts getting out of control because they start saying like talking (laughs) about cellular memory and all sorts of stuff, but that man, that's it. That is like the take home message of, okay, what is bioelectricity? It's just this idea that if you connect two cells physically, they're no longer two cells. They're one cell. Right. Through the gap junction. Through the gap junction, because how could cell A differentiate between? Let's say it's uh, if you poke a cell with a needle, it lets calcium in, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you poke cell A with a needle, it lets calcium in, and it goes, "Oh, I just got poked with a needle." Now let's say you connect two cells and you poke cell A, and calcium comes in. Well, that calcium moves into cell B too, and there's no way for cell B to differentiate between being poked by a needle and calcium coming in versus cell A being poked by a needle. It's they're one organism at that point. Just like if you and I had identical memories and we don't know which memories belong to who they're our memories. 
you know? Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So I, that, that is, I guess like the, the start and that, uh, the, of bioelectricity. Every, yeah. That's at every, in every cell. Yeah. And I mean, not all cells are connected to all other cells. So it's could be certain right. tissues where all cells are connected. I mean, your heart, for example, mm-hmm. is one functional organism. Yeah, Everything yeah. is connected by gap junctions. Um, but your muscle cells are not, your muscle cells are electrically isolated from one another, like in your skeletal. So, so every tissue is different, but it's just this idea that this is how consciousness scales is a cell collective. Yeah, exactly. It's just a collective consciousness of cells. And I don't know, I don't know if I believe that, but it's, I guess the next step towards a scientific explanation of consciousness, if such a thing exists. Wow. Which we don't know if it does. Good luck. Good luck implementing that to robots or AI. Yeah. And that, and they get into that a lot. Like just how, like this idea, like we have anything approaching like true consciousness, artificial consciousness consciousness is just silly. Um, They're like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. No, we need to have part two. Okay. All right. Cause yeah. 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 Cause we're just talking about, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to unpack. Yeah. They'll get, they'll get into consciousness and, um, all, you know what this means. I don't really know what it means. I mean, I've kind of held this viewpoint that like, I don't understand why some of these ideas are so like, uh, oppositional. Like I, I don't understand how evolution being true makes creationism untrue. You know what I mean? Because let, let, let's say that these ideas prove like, okay, I guess evolution really could happen in this short time frame, relatively short, you know, cause we've talked about irreducibly complex systems and we've talked about, um, the problem with the in, initial Darwinian ancestor and the Cambrian explosion and all these things. Um, like, let's say this answers all those questions. It's like, well, this still only worked because of these fundamental laws of the universe. Where did those come from? Where did those fundamental laws come from? You know? And it's like, the big bang's not cutting it, man. Like you can't just say all matter burst forth from a a pin. And that's where it just happened. It just can't like, that's not an answer. That's a that is a religious belief. Um, it's right. not scientific. That makes no sense. It, and it's like, well, maybe that did happen, but then we need to know well, what happened before that. If you're going to try to make the claim that it's just all random, you know? So I don't know. It's pretty wild. Though. How you doing? <laughs> so, 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 so we know, yeah, randomness, but we know the cells are not random. Right. They have computational uh, command at a very physical micro level yeah and uh have command who's commanding that who's who's who put in there the yeah compass yeah and that's Ooh, that's that's crazy that's something that you know i i don't know if they'll even touch on that in the rest of the interview but that is kind of the unknown question is like okay so that they're not nuts they're now they're now one unit yourself all your cells are collective but still, where do, where does the memory come from? I mean, where does the memory for what your hand should look like come from? And um, it does. Cells, and then we 
yeah. we're talking to uh, you know about atoms and we're basically made out of stars, right? Carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, hydrogen, right? Yep. Yeah, for and sure. We all that, and then who who told the cell? Anyway, it's just it's just nuts. You know what? How to, how to combine everything? We I keep coming back to this computer analogy, man. But when we talk about that, each cell is, has thousands of transistors not not metaphorical transistors, but like actual transistors the the same yeah. the same types of voltage switches that your computer uses to render information from your hard drive to like visual and auditory output right it's like man this computer analogy is just too there's just too much of it i don't like it i mean we talk about okay the whole idea that consciousness creates matter like matter matter isn't there unless it's observed that sounds like rendering that sounds like visual rendering Mm -hmm. same for sound same for touch because remember we're all we're just empty space and so we have to perceive these atoms, you know, when we, when we reach out and touch our computer, our brain is creating that sense of touch because really we're just empty space, you know, all of this stuff, all this stuff is like, sounds like a computer. sounds like a computer. And then you have people saying like that black hole stole information. Sounds like a computer. And then you say, now your cells contain transistors and that you contain trillions of transistors. And it's like, kid, come on. I don't like this. And it's not, it's not saying like that we're in a simulation or anything like that. It's just saying if I think so, I might be, I do. I think so. (laughs) We might, it's a test. It's a test. I hope so. To be honest, yeah, man, that's why we're not coming back. We don't have like continue in certain quarters. Oh no, definitely not coming back. But the, one shot, but here's the thing. The idea that it's a test implies that there might be something next, right? Because otherwise, what are you being tested for? Now, you could take lots of cynical right. ideas, like we're being you're being tested to see if your particular combination of DNA creates something useful, and then you're going to be, you're going to, a new version of you with none of your memories is going to wake up in a, in a new soul farm, and you're going to create power for the robot overlords, you know? Like, there's all sorts of terrible yeah, things true. you could true. come up with, but... Well, what is it? But it, what is the closest thing, though, to 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 you? Immortality is passing down your DNA, and who's the closest? Your kids, your children. And that's the greatest gift, right? Yeah. To to to, to pass down, because you're gonna if if it, this is collective consciousness, you're gonna pass down memories, your memories, your DNA. So it's basically an extinction of you. He goes into this. He goes into this thing about the, and this is related to what you're saying. He goes into this thing about planarians, which are these worms you can cut in half, and then both worms have the same memory, right? And you can cut them into you know hundreds of pieces, and you know each planarian can trace its existence back millions of years because they don't have they don't have children. They they just continue, right? That's wild. And it's like, well, humans do that too. We just funnel down to two cells, you know, we're, we're trillions of cells. Mm-hmm. We can, we funnel down to two cells and then we expand back out into trillions of cells. Right. Un- unfortunately, unlike planarians, we lose our memory and sense of self, right? It's now a new, it's now a new sense of self, a kid. Right. And it's to like a certain degree. And it's like, well, 
what does it even really mean to have like a sense of self like that? It, you know, you hear like all these Eastern traditions about like letting go of the sense of ego. We're all one, blah, 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 blah. It's like, man, maybe there's something to that. It's really, it's really hard to set aside. Like, am I, my memories, you know, I don't know. Are you? Yes. Because if we clone you without your memories, it won't be, it won't be you. Yeah, I know. And it's like, so what does that word I mean? You know, what is, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, I like the fact that he's a collective, it's, it's, it's a part of collected inputs, auditory input, right? Emotional input, physical input. So, and then our brain just kind of does the process. That's why it's all a test, right? Different memories, different uh, events, right? But when you say it's a test, that kind of implies it's something that you can pass and that they're... Well, we're moral creatures after all. I mean, that guy has to get paid. He has to feed his family. I mean, he can say all he wants about collective consciousness, but he still works for money. No, I know, but what what do you... What do you mean? But when, like, if it's a test, someone's administering it, right? Who's in? I still believe in a higher, okay, higher power. Okay, we're created beings. Okay, so so there's a higher power. The way he talks, yeah, the way he talks, it's basically abolishing the existence of a higher power, guiding the cells. Like this, this, this creator, like the the archit, the gamer, the coder. He did that, or it did that, or she did that, for a reason. Right, so if we think of the creator making a frog, he already already put that all there in the system in the cells. So God is in the DNA, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's that's it, and I I think he's kind of implying like the the top down uh, control, meaning meaning the brain. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's an atheist. I can guarantee you. I mean, most biologists are, oh, but. Yeah. But, but no, no, I'm more asking like, like when you say there's, this is a test. I like that idea. It, it obviously it implies that there's someone administering the test, but it sort of also applies that it's something you can pass. Right. And if you pass the test versus, well, hopefully if you fail the test, you know, that there might be die. two different outcomes, right? Well, either way you die, no, you don't reproduce, you die you no matter you what. Don't reprodu- oh, no, but, but your, your DNA will get passed down. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. To, to, to your offsprings. Like if you, if you, for instance, if you have some, you know, someone with Down syndrome, right? right. The organism said, ah, we cannot, it's not liable. We, we can't produce. This is where it ends. That's it. You're done. Yeah, but there's no, like, there's no morality check to whether or not you can have kids. I mean, anybody can have kids. Plenty of immoral people do, right? So yes, like yes, that's that, that, right. So it's like medicine. There's not one medicine that cures something. So having children is one thing, but having children with your set of standards, right? That's part of being a human. It's a different story. Like you're teaching your kids, uh, you know, laws and regulations. Anyone, yeah, you can have multiple children, but it won't be. It's not. It's not the same. No, that makes that makes sense. You're there every day. You know, collect your memories. Your memories. 
that, and then so yeah that that makes sense and i i thought maybe you were contradicting yourself because i know in the past you said you believe in a higher power but not an afterlife so i thought well if you think there's a test it sounds like maybe you do believe in an after but I no that's not what a, you're saying no 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 it's just no i still don't believe in an afterlife yeah, yeah. i believe that yeah now you understand now i get it now, now i understand now i'm on board yep yeah, yeah, yep yeah. I was like, well, if it's a test, it kind of sounds like you think there's an afterlife, right? Because you pass the test, you get the afterlife. But okay. I'm sorry, I'm still not convinced. No, no, I, I'm not either. I just I was trying to under, understand what you meant by that. So, so yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. it's a test. You're being tested, but not necessarily with you know the the reward of an afterlife, right? Right, makes sense. Makes no, sense. the reward is is it's it's like the Red Queen. The reward is reputation. But but must it must be more than that because um, reproduction with your own uh, with you on board. Yeah. Okay. You the orchestrator. You're the man. You're you you're the leader. You're right. Yeah. With your wife, of course. But, but uh, or your significant other. Yes. Man, it just but, makes uh, it just makes you wonder because because it I get why you would jump like because that makes sense you know there, if you if you just look at everything coldly like what makes the most sense and an afterlife doesn't really make a lot of sense right i mean maybe that'd be it'd be great it sounds nice but but it's like well what what would that really mean like blah 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 i mean maybe maybe there's some sort of collective conscious where you get to go and you're not you anymore but you still get to perceive things touches on that yeah, you know, the collective, the tree, we're all connected, connected to the mother tree, you know. Yeah. Heaven. Well, and that but, that's uh, like like a straight up an afterlife in there. But um, right. I just what was the movie I just watched that had this? I don't know, but anyway, um, it's like maybe maybe not. That doesn't make sense. But so I can see why once you come to that conclusion, you go to atheist, right? And then you're kind of you're kind of more in the middle, like no, it's designed. There's a higher power, but that doesn't necessarily you can't extrapolate from that anything else, you know. Like, um, and it makes sense. Uh, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at too. I don't know. Like, like at people, if you've listened before, you know, been an atheist most of my life. Now I'm kind of like I don't know, you know. It's, it's a lot it doesn't really make sense that that it would all be like why why is anything here then you know like why is there anything if it's just all random and you know what's the fucking point why does anything exist you know why why are there rocks spiraling through space and where did they come from and and if you try to tell me that they just came from an explosion it's like well you got to give me more than that that's not really an explanation you know an explosion and then you have uh gaps you know yes bombard a rock with photons for billions of years and you get televisions it's like well maybe i don't know <laughs> maybe like like that that part is actually and an iphone that part's actually easier to explain than how all matter sprung yes. forth from a single pin billions of years ago um yeah i mean like evolution like if someone definitively proved you know uh bioneogenesis and evolution led to human origin that would not really like shake my foundations existentially it's like okay yeah maybe but that doesn't mean like it wasn't designed that doesn't mean 
anything. That really doesn't mean anything to me. It just means, oh, we found out the process of how it happened, but who put the process in motion? Like who started this process? Panspermia, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. I, know, man. I like that. Crazy. That's what Francis yeah. Crick thinks. The guy who discovered one of the three people who discovered DNA, panspermia. We're Martians. We're Martians. I should read that book. <laughs> I want to read his book about that because it, do, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like just hearing it, but I'm sure if I read it, it'd probably make more sense. But yeah. well, as always, man, we did not come up with the answer to well, the meaning of life and human origins today <laughs> but we tried that didn't stop us from trying man it was good to talk to you bioelectricity likewise bioelectricity we need part two uh is there more to it there's is, uh two and a half more hours jesus that's awesome <laughs> maybe maybe we can pick a, um, a few other clips yeah yeah i think i think i could get he's super smart though yeah. I, I think he's going into a frontier place that i i, I just dream of going but yeah, it's That's something looking for. It's, it's it's a paradigm shift for sure for for maybe for medicine, maybe for AI, maybe for spirituality, who knows, but it's I just like people who think a little differently, you know? It's always I interesting. I do believe it's interesting. I, I do right right and I do believe it's a collective that I like that that it's just a number of processes, right? Collective data. It's weird because That's like just one thing yeah well and just like if you know if consciousness really is a collection of cells um on the one hand that's unsettling but on the other hand if he could really show that that'd be really interesting which I, he's not there obviously he's not claiming to be there i mean i st i still don't really still doesn't really make sense how all of a sudden you feel like you're in here like i feel like i'm in this body right it's not totally explained by this idea that cells can communicate with one another through electricity and that we have transistors. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, man, uh, <laughs> that was, that, thanks for, thanks for letting me share the first hour of this interview with you, everybody. Um, any, anything Alfredo, you got anything? Should we wrap up with anything more lighthearted? Should we just send people to our Instagram? Send them to Instagram. All right. Check us out. Our underscore philosophia. Send us an email, admin at ourphilosophia.com. The website is ourphilosophia.com. Go to the sacredritual.com yes. and get some great uh, skincare, bath care products, not to mention, actually, you can't buy coffee there right now because it's sold out, but hopefully within the next week. You What's can buy the new batch next week. Yeah, oh. we we got a like a hundred and fifty pound bag, but it's green, so oh. so it's roasted in like like batches of like twenty to fifty pounds, you know. So it's fresh, you know. It's not sitting. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But yeah, it's good. I man. need some of that. Man. I know. I owe you a bag. I'm sorry. We sold them all, so I'll I'll get you. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the next so episode good. in person. The next ba the next batch. Yeah, let's do it in person, and then let's do it soon. Now that uh, we're gonna have more more often all right sounds uh, good more often all right take it easy man thanks everybody Bye.